Welcome to the podcast. Join Nate and Mike, lifelong friends, as they discuss stocks and investing. The name says it all. This This is is Two Buds Buds Talk Talk Stocks. Stocks. All opinions expressed by Nate and Mike are their own. Please do not buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Welcome to the pod. We are live. How are you doing today, Mike? I'm doing good, Nate. It's good to talk to you as always. I'm excited about today's episode. I'm gonna, we're going to pick up where we left off of last episode, which was us talking about the ETF. The symbol is EATZ. It's a restaurant ETF with some tasty stocks in there. Let's first dive into our first tasty stock here. This is going to be a one that I think is, this one's near and dear to me. All right. We're going to start here with Chipotle. Let's kind of talk some market cap, right? And I want to talk percentages as well, too. So Chipotle's got a market cap of $44 billion. Okay. To me, that's still a little bit in the mid cap. You're on the border of large cap right there. McDonald's has $179 billion in market cap. That means if Chipotle doubles and they're at $80 billion in market cap, they're still not even breaking $100 billion. They still have so much growth to go. Their numbers keep getting better and better every year. They got their more their mobile orders down. Now people go in, pick up, pick up their, their Chipotle. They're not going in line. People are still going in line. They know what they want. They know the menu well. They have a very efficient process. And the new CEO, I know I talked about him before, he's not going to change things to a Taco Bell. He's not going to change things where they're going to start serving breakfast, where they're going to make things faster and start, you know, uh, having them on every street corner. Um, they, they, you, we've talked a little bit about this before, and I think you're a little bit more educated on this when it comes to, do you know why Chipotle is not going to serve breakfast in their model? I do know this and it, it's not that, uh, they will never do it. They're just not doing it now. And part of it just has to do with simple supply and, and demand. It's not that they can't get, uh, breakfast, uh, foods. I mean, when you think about what a breakfast burrito is, it's, it's probably going to have eggs in it and other stuff, but it's really more so their menu works so well right now for two out of the three meals for, for lunch and for dinner. I mean, they have the exact same menu. So the same long line that you'll see at lunch, you'd see at dinner as well. And there's no change in the prep time. There's no change in the cooking. There's the, the cleaning that has to be done is very similar. But if you switch that up now, not only do you have to open the restaurant earlier, you're going to have to prep for an entirely different menu. I haven't figured that out, but Brian Nichols, the guy running it. I mean, he's a smart guy. I mean, there's one time where Taco Bell did not serve breakfast either when he was there. And by the time he left, I mean, there was a, there was a breakfast menu at Taco Bell. So I I would say that it's not a matter of if it's coming, it's just a matter of uh, when. People are moving away from eating, you know, processed foods, foods that maybe where, where, where the meat wasn't um, raised in the, in, in the, I'm not trying to get political here, but wasn't maybe rate. It was, it was, you know, raised to, for, for slaughter, I guess you could say not to sugarcoat things. And Chipotle is all about, you know, uh, organic foods, uh, clean, healthy foods. Um, and, and I think that's a space that a lot people, a lot more people are, are actually turning into as well. You know, Chipotle since 2006 versus the S&P 500 is up 3,446%. It's a complete monster ever since I bought it. I'm already up a thousand, you know, a thousand percent plus. 
I think it's going to still go higher. Um, and, you know, for all those reasons, even though it's still slightly overvalued, I think we talk about this a lot, whether it's the Googles, and this is a little bit extreme, the Googles, the Facebooks of, you know, uh, what, what do you call that? The snap factor, right? Where if it just goes away, is it, are people going to notice that's going to be missing? I think Chipotle is one of those. And I think in 10 to 15 years, I, I'm going to be honest, when we look at the other ET, the other components in the Eats ETF, Chewy's, Texas Roadhouse, Blooming Brands, um, Jack in the Box, Wingstop, Cheesecake Factory, Wendy's, Shake Shack. I think Chipotle is going to beat out all of those companies in the next 10 to 15 years. And here's that psychological part. When people sometimes ask me or probably ask you, hey, what's a hot new stock? Chipotle is one of those things where you see $1,500 a share, you feel like you've maybe missed the boat, but I could see it turning into one of those McDonald's or one of those Starbucks that could have a 25, 30% increase, you know, 30% gain since its IPO. Well, there's one thing that I, I would say too, that is the, is the theme here with uh, Chipotle is what you see as the, as the valuation and if we circle back a little to, to talk on market cap, I don't even, I mean, I would say it's, it's large cap, but maybe the whole definition of what small, mid and large is, has, has changed because $44 billion today is, doesn't seem as big as it would have maybe 15 or 20 years ago. But if we're comparing it to McDonald's, it's the biggest in that space, 40, 44 billion still seems small if McDonald's is at 176 billion. So maybe we, it's more McDonald's is getting closer to uh, mega cap status and, and it's Chipotle that's in the, the large cap status and something like a, a Domino's or a Texas Roadhouse that still could be considered what is true mid cap. I, I would agree with that. I mean, to put things in perspective though, Starbucks, 140 billion market cap. So, and it's crazy if we look at those two at the order of that is that Chipotle is the, is the number three restaurant behind those. If you're looking at market yes. cap and to me, that's what's still, this is the thing that, um, as we've talked about with the, the valuation that I still see Chipotle as extremely undervalued. I mean, I bought in at $700 and at that Which time, was high at that it time. was, it was an all time high. high. And since then, the value has doubled. I still see it. If again, if we use my one of the metrics I like, if we just look at the market cap of it at $44 billion, and this is a fun game I like to play, is just that we live in an alternate reality here. And let's just say that we know that the biggest a restaurant company could get is McDonald's size, that is $176 billion. That is terminal growth. No company will ever get bigger than that. So if you're going to do it that way, then if Chipotle is a well-run company and they continue to get things down like the mobile app, and if they're opening up new locations and they have international growth and, and drive-through becomes a thing, and they are more similar to even the things that McDonald's doing now with those, with those aspects of the business, if they get to 176 billion, that's still a 4X from, from where it is right now. So if we're, if we're looking at it trading at 1500 multiplied by four, what does that put us in somewhere around the $8,000 range? So I still think that there's plenty of room. And those are the things that don't necessarily show up in the, in the, in the valuation or in the, in the metrics. 
but what are they doing with each one of those dollars that they earn? They're, they're reinvesting it in the business. So, and we don't live in an alternate reality like that. McDonald's is still going to grow. So even if you factor in that maybe they only grow with the pace of an inflation, a 3% every year from there, there's still even more room to, to, to grow. So Chipotle, that runway is still huge. I mean, even if you want to do it to catching up to, to Starbucks at 140 billion, that's still what a three X from there. Well, let's look, here's the spoiler alert. Okay. McDonald's, Starbucks, Chipotle, and DPZ are my four favorite stocks. And I'm probably going to, I mean, maybe you can see what your, 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 your thoughts are, but those are my, the four, my four favorite stocks out of EATS, E-A-T-Z. And that's the ETF we're talking about. And to put things in perspective of your market cap, we've got 179 at McDonald's, you've got 140 at Starbucks, and then there's a huge gap to 44 billion. And this, I'm just reiterating the points you just made to Chipotle. And I think Chipotle is best of breed. And I throw Chipotle in 10, 15 years, there's going to be Starbucks. There's going to be McDonald's. I think there's going to be Chipotle. And I think there's going to be Domino's. You know what the market cap of Domino's is? Well, in the 12 billion range, maybe 15 billion. 18 billion. So the yeah. same thing with uh, Domino, uh, good, uh, good call off the spot too, pretty close. You're, we're at 18 billion. I know Domino's, I kept telling you, is that going to go any higher? Is it, you know, is it going to break 500? It's at 18 billion. It's not even half of what Chipotle is. And, and then it just starts getting expon exponentially lower. Um, there's actually, I, I'm going I'm to go back there. There is a company, and I don't think you and I are a fan of this company, that is actually pretty close market cap at 34 billion. That's going to be the young brands. Yeah. Right. Smack dab which, in the middle there, mm -hmm. which I don't think we're really a fan. We don't see the growth in that company, which is with KFC, Kentucky fried chicken, pizza hut. And then there's also Taco Bell and they have the yum C, which is the China, the international, the China um, entity that's also in the ETF. We're not going to spend too much time on those, but those are really the big market caps you have in the EATS ETF. And I agree with you with Chipotle that, and this is a bold prediction, I do think it has the ability to become the next McDonald's. And when I say, is it going to be selling burgers? No. Is it going to sell you know, shakes and all that? No. I'm saying it has the potential to be as successful as a stock as McDonald's MCD is going to be. And one point I wanted to go back and that you made is when they talked about reinvesting themselves, we talk about dividends. Chipotle is a perfect example of why they do not pay a dividend. Instead of paying me, um, hey, Mike, thank you for, so much for owning the stock for a quarter. We're going to give you X amount of dollars. Or thank you so much for owning the stock for a year. We're going to give you X amount of dollars. Instead of us giving you a dividend, we're going to take that money. And because we're an up and coming company, we're going to we think we could take that money and reinvest it in the company and make the company bigger, more profitable, expand more and make it a bigger, better entity. And I kind of like that they don't pay that dividend. I, I mean, this is these are the type of things that, again, um, we look for and when we're looking for metrics to, to value. And it's hard to see this because it's not something that drops down to the bottom line. If you're just looking for pure earnings, the money that the reinvestment on capital isn't, isn't going to show up. And the best example of this is, is Amazon. I mean, for 20, 20 years, for every dollar that 
Amazon made, they reinvested back in the business and they got a hundred percent return on that. So every $1 they made, they reinvested and that, that dollar became $2. But the problem is that it doesn't show up in calculations and valuations because it does not drop down to the bottom line. They're not putting it in their bank account. And it's very easy to miss these things if we're as investors, if we're only, if we're only looking at companies that are, are profitable. And like you also were saying with things like Domino's and Chipotle, those are two companies that if you look right there at just the share price, Chipotle trading at around 1500 and, and Domino's creeping up on $500. If you look at that number, it looks like it is expensive in terms that it, the dollar amount is high. But we just were talking about the market cap. You take those shares and you multiply it by the price and you get that. It doesn't look nearly as expensive. I mean, Domino's at 18 billion, Chipotle at 44 billion. But again, let's compare it to the, to the true behemoths, to Starbucks and to McDonald's and see, compared to that 176 with McDonald's and the 140 with Starbucks, and you can see the potential. It's not to say that they will get there, but you kind of have a ceiling to see where the potential could grow if these companies are, are well-run. And like you, I'd put all those companies in the same category of not only being well-run, but also being staples of, of what we do. I mean, we eat Chipotle, we drink Starbucks coffee, you have kids, you take them to McDonald's to get a happy meal, and Friday night, you have movie night or date night or whatever, and you grab a, a pizza. So I would also, I've said this before, don't be scared away by the, the actual share price. Let's think about the that room to run, that potential for, for growth. What I like about Chipotle, and this is going to be a slow burn, meaning that I think it's going to take a while for them to break 3000 the share price. Because what they do, and they've learned from Taco Bell, how many times... Have you seen a Taco Bell that was in a building that isn't there anymore? Mm -hmm. Right. And the reason why, if it was a really profitable Taco Bell, they wouldn't get rid of it. Right. The, the, the model is if, if it's profitable, you keep it going. If it's not profitable, get rid of it. I've never seen a Chipotle, you know, they, they take down a location. I've seen it with Pizza Hut. I've seen it with Taco Bell. And I think what Chipotle does, you know, right now, they're, they're slowly, they only have 33 locations outside the United States, Canada, United Kingdom, France, Germany. I think they, they could, without a doubt, open this, you know, uh, and this is another good segue about growth. I think they could really open this really fast and have it on every single continent, blah, blah, blah. That's the tip. We haven't even hit the tip of the iceberg here. We're, 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 there's 33 locations outside the United States with 19 of them in Canada. They're slowly going through Canada. They're then going to go. There's only one. They're the first European one opened up in London in 2010. In France, they had their first location in 2012. The, you know, the second location in 2013, and then the fourth in 2014. They're slowly turning these out. And if these, if Chipotle becomes, a third of what McDonald's does internationally, it's going to be a juggernaut. And I don't think they're going to spin off. I don't see what, I don't think they're going to do what a yum did. Well, you know, you've got yum, which has spun off their international brand in 2000, or excuse me, their China brand in 2017. I don't think Chipotle is going to do that. I think they're going to do what Starbucks did. If they go international, they're going to keep it under one entity. And I'm actually thinking about, buying more Chipotle um, coming up here. I think I'm going to buy more. Well, 
I mean, you hit the nail on the head when you think about international growth. And if we can, we just compare it to McDonald's because it is the easiest analogy. Like you said, it's two different business models. One serves business, uh, burgers and one is, is burritos. But when you think about what they are, it's very simple menu items, which you know what you want when you go in there. So it's the easiest comparison. And we look at McDonald's that all these things that they do, whether it's serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner, having drive-throughs at every location and being international. Remember back when they used to have those signs up at some of the locations where it would say, you know, over a, bur a billion burgers served now, and it was that county thing. It's easy to get lost in that when McDonald's has been around since the, the early 50s. So we're talking 60 plus years. Chipotle has not even been around for, for 30 years. So half of that. So that runway you're in for growth, like you said, with the international, and they don't want to saturate the markets. I mean, they have a quality product, everything from the way they, they raise or the way that they, they, uh, their food is farmed for substantial growth and, and uh, no antibiotics and, and other things like that. I think that also plays into how their, their, their growth in other, other countries and locations is going to play out too. But uh, I was also going to say, it made me think of this with McDonald's. We think about every McDonald's has a drive-through. We've talked a little bit about this before with the Chipotle lanes. Not every Chipotle has a, a drive-through, but I'm thinking that this is, is going to be a thing. And you talked about with the pandemic and how that kind of streamlined their process with the mobile app. You can just order online, you run in the store and you pick it up. But the next step, the next evolution of that is to just be able to drive up to the window and, and pick it up there. So I don't think you can go back in time and change the locations to put drive-through lanes in all of them. But going forward, the way that McDonald's looks at their real estate and their locations, and it's very accessible from, from any direction. I mean, there's nothing worse than when you're driving to or driving by and you see a, a place you want to eat at and you can't make a left turn to, to get there. Or you have to drive up further and turn around. McDonald's being a real estate company at heart is is really good at putting their locations at a corner that you can access from, from all directions. They have the two drive-through lanes. I'm wondering, you think in Chipotle going forward when they're looking to make locations that they start looking at locations that not only easily accessible, but where they can put those Chipotle lanes in? I, I, I think it's, it's a valid point. And um, you're, you're opening up, you talked about McDonald's doing real estate and they spending billion, you know, billions of dollars on marketing. And this is kind of, oh, sorry if we go off topic here when comparing the other restaurants, but do you know why growing up, you don't see it as much, why there always used to be a, a Burger King next to a McDonald's? Remember you tell me this once, right? It's, it's McDonald's well, is doing I'll, the work. I'll tell you is yeah. because, sorry, I asked you a question, then I'm just going to tell you the answer is that. <laughs> so what we do. Burger King realized that McDonald's spent so much money on marketing and picking the perfect location that they could just put a Burger King right where the McDonald's was mm -hmm. and they could save on all that marketing and all that research they did and they would still be a profitable company. Chipotle is also more of a staple in the sense that you eat lunch every day, you eat dinner every day, you work, you're busy, it's quick, it's fast, it's convenient. You have the aspect with the help, right? I mean, uh, the healthy aspect. It's it's free range food, no antibiotics. Um, you feel better about that. Now, the converse side of that too is that because of that, Chipotle will always be more susceptible to outbreaks of E. coli and other things, yep. right? And they had that 
that issue was at a, going back four years. And it's funny because when I bought, it was at an all-time high, but that was right before they had their, their E. coli. So, I mean, if I had waited, I could have made that initial purchase when it, when it tanked, because from there, I mean, it went from 700 down to all the way down, I think below 200. And uh, this is one of the reasons why if you like a company and you still believe in it, you can also dollar cost average into it because dollar cost averaging on the, on the way down is, is even better than, than dollar cost averaging up. But psychologically speaking, still, still very hard because you don't know what the outcome is going to be. And it's very easy now because there's this clear role ahead of us with, with Chipotle. But I mean, I, at that time, I really, it, it made me take pause and I didn't know how they were going to handle the E. coli outbreak, what they were going to do. Looking back now, it actually put them in an even better position during the pandemic because they already understood how to make sure that their food was sourced properly, that the supply chain, they could get it there, the cleaning process in their restaurants. And you can see, again, how well Chipotle performed during this time. And I think that management has said that it partly has quite a bit to do with cleaning up their process during their E. coli outbreak. Or whether it's McDonald's or Chipotle with these E. coli's, you can see the chart and you can see this huge dip and then it rebounds if the company is good. And like you said, the management handled it the right way. You don't know what's going to happen if it's just going to be E. coli after, you know, one after the other, and that's a to total dumb, uh, tumbling effect and they're even shut down, who knows. But the way they handled it is a good testament and, and, that's where dollar cost averaging, that's why it's hard to do that. Whether mm -hmm. you've got your pole where it's at $1,500 and then you keep buying it at $1,800 and $1,900 or whether you know there's a reason it went down below $300 and it's hard to, to keep buying back into there. I mean, to, to, um, to your point with, uh, with the management aspect of, of how Chipotle handled that uh, outbreak, I mean, these are the type of things too that you can't really see in any trip typical metrics. It's not going to show up in valuation. I mean, you only really find out the the resolve of of someone or a company is when they when they encounter bad times and how they deal with those things and how Chipotle handled it. I thought was very stellar, but you could see also the investments that they were making in their their mobile app. I mean, we talked a little bit about that, how streamlined it was during the pandemic now, but the origins of that were because of the E. coli outbreak. I mean, they gave away tons and tons of burritos for free using the mo mobile app and trying to get people to come back into the stores. But now you look at that and it's just part of the story for the potential growth going for, forward with uh, people using the mobile app and the Chipotle lanes. But it's still very hard in the moment when you see something continually going down day over day and thinking, do I, do I want to, to, to get into this? So the psychological part of trying to still continue to invest, I still struggle with that as, as well. And that's where, to me, again, what's made me such a successful investor is treating each stock in each scenario differently. When Chipotle had the outbreak scenario, now again, I should have dollar cost average it to your point. I did the buy and hold mentality, put your head in the sand, Yes, I bought it at 146, took it all the way up to 700 when you bought in. Now I don't feel as bad. But anyway, when you bought in and then it came tumbling down 
And that's one of those things being a shareholder where I still believed in the company. Should I have been buying more of it? Absolutely. But instead I was like, you know what? Believe in it. Just move on. Look at other companies. And it came roaring back, you know? Well, not and- only that, but you just said too, you, I mean, you like the company. You're still thinking about buying more. I, I'm still thinking about buying more. I mean, neither one of us is scared off by a $1,500 price tag because that is not the, the true intrinsic value of, of, of the company. There's still a lot of room there. I mean, potentially- um, a f- at a minimum of four X, if you want to compare it to where it could be in terms of McDonald's size and, and where it can go. And I mean, the, the growth runway they have with, with international like, like you, it's just, I see plenty of room. Well, and just to summarize with Chipotle, I'm, I'm still with, with part with you. You can buy partial shares. Mm-hmm. You're into it. I'm still into it. I like that we're both on the same page. You know what? Um, I was going to say, this so- is also a segue. We can talk about this too. I don't know if you heard this, but both of us, I mean, with uh, with kids, we use uh, Stockpile. Did you hear the big news with uh, with Stockpile? No. They got rid of commissions. Oh, they did? Yes. This is 99 the one cents. gone, free, free trade. So Stockpile, now you have the advantage of not only the free trades, but fractional shares. So um, I'm super psyched about this for, for the boys too. Cause again, we talked a little, this is, this is a drag. If, I mean, when, especially when you're talking about, if you want to use this for kids, if you only have a small dollar amount to begin yeah, 20 with 20 bucks or whatever, yeah, yeah. that's a huge commission. So this is huge, but same thing applies for Chipotle. If you want to get started uh, that $1,500 price tag is a lot, but instead of thinking about $1,500, think about whatever that dollar amount you have is, whether it's one, five, 10, a hundred or so on. And it makes it a lot easier to say, I'm going to get into a good company when you can just put that dollar amount. I, I have a hundred dollars or whatever it is that I want to invest. I would say too, the research and you and I do research a little bit differently. I'm more about the numbers. And I think you doing the research of about how a company handles things and how the, the management's in there. Be careful that you can also use that as a negative too. Mm-hmm. If you have a company where, the C they, they, they're changing CEOs every 18 months or you're reading about it and how, you know, it can work in the negative as well too. Um, next up in the ETZ in the EATZ eats ETF. I'm going to talk about McDonald's here and then we're going to do some round Robin and just throw you, I'm going to kind of tell you some of the other stocks that are in here. If something steps out of your mind or something jumps uh, out, yeah, we'll talk jumps out of you. Thank you so much. You let me know. I mean, McDonald's, I, I don't know if there's that much more to say. Tell me your story about Chipotle McDonald's and you, when did you buy it and walk me <laughs> yeah. through this. So, I'm not trying uh, to give you a hard time either. It, this is uh, the the same thing with you. I mean, I uh, can reinvent my, my thesis, my process, what it is, why I like a stock or why I don't. And I used to own McDonald's and I, I thought this is basically when you, when you think about what, again, the heart of McDonald's is, it is, just hamburgers and french fries i mean they do a lot of other things but very similar to the same way when you when you see a, a chipotle at lunchtime in a in a metropolitan area the line's usually out the door and you look at most mcdonald's when it comes to lunchtime and when it comes to dinner time their drive through is usually always stacked around in my area sometimes i don't know if you've ever had this where you're trying to turn into the the mcdonald's drive through and traffic is already backed up out onto the street a little bit so a lane is is taken away but there is no shortage, as I said, for the better part of 60 years that they've been around, that there is somebody that needs to get lunch and just wants a hamburger, fries, and a Coke, or you're taking your kids 
to soccer practice or whatever it is, and they're hungry and you want a snack, you're on a road trip, there is no shortage of families that have kids that need to get food for them. And it is the most simple, convenient thing that there's almost McDonald's, it seems on every corner. Again, very simple, you know what you're getting, price points are good. So this was my original thesis without ever having looked at McDonald's numbers or anything else is just how many times I'd eaten at McDonald's, how many times I took the kids to McDonald's and I bought it. And it's funny because it was, it had been on a tear. I mean, I think the year before it was the, it was the best performing stock in the Dow. So it was up huge, something like 30% when in 20, 2011 or something. And then I think I bought in it in, in 2012 and I held it for about three Would you years. buy that? Um, 90, $90, 90, 92-ish range. What would you sell it at? Same price, but there was all the dividends. I had reinvested yep. dividends. So again, when you factor in the, the reinvestment of the dividends, it was, it was money that I made, but the actual share price was roughly the same. But I very much psychologically, again, I... I got coaxed out. It's just like the stock price is really not moving. I'm like, maybe McDonald's really See, has it was hit. the perfect example of a sideways stock. It was. I like mean, we, it was in that 30%. 89 to 99 range. It felt like for 20 years. It was. And, and they, in the, the other part of this too, is that they had uh, their, their CEO right about the time that I bought, he was a longtime CEO. I can't think of his Jim Skinner, I think is the name. And then another guy took over, Don something or other. And he's the one that was really responsible for McDonald's, um, their their breakfast menu, the, the McCafe. So he took it from having really a very minimal um, coffee menu to them, uh, to McDonald's uh, generating over a billion dollars a year in revenue just from, from their coffees, from the things like the lattes and the iced coffees. And that's when I, I bought in. I was like, okay, I, I, I see what they're doing here. And then again, sideways stocks for a number of years. That CEO was there for a few years. And then they brought in Steve Easterbrook. And then the stock really took off and shot up. And this is after I'd sold because one of the first things he did was the all day breakfast. If you remember, that was that yep. was a big thing. They did all day breakfast and then they reinvented all the stores. This is where I don't know if you've seen, but a lot of the stores, they started putting little uh, leather seats in them. They started putting in big screen TVs in some of them. They would do things like I've even some, seen some that have iPads in them. Um, and uh, these were all, again, corporate-owned stores. They went away from the franchise model, started buying back stores from the franchisees and going more to this corporate model. I had long since sold after this point, but it just shows that, again, patience in this game is key. But what I did with that money is when I sold it, is I used it to buy Chipotle because I saw- And when did you, let's do a comparison mm -hmm. here, all right? When did you do that? So I bought McDonald's 2012 and I okay. sold in 2015. So it was in January of 2015 that I bought Chipotle. Um, so let's Chipotle. look at, compare Chipotle to McDonald's mm -hmm. Since in 2015. Then. So we're going to start from January to make this simpler. This isn't too bad. I wouldn't beat yourself up. Okay. Now that's tough, man. You you went through a tough thing. You bought it. The coli hits. McDonald's goes up. Mm -hmm. And then Chipotle since January of 2015 and has gone up 130%. Mm -hmm. 
McDonald's has gone up 199%. Yeah, so still outperforming Chipotle since that but one purchase. Not by that much. So I'm not saying you, that's not, I wouldn't beat yourself up about it too much. Actually, no, beat yourself up over it. <laughs> well, here's the thing. When you factor in that I have, I have, uh, I have bought in, I, then I was able to get into, um, I think I, uh, I, I bought more Chipotle de- definitely after the E. coli outbreak. So I know I bought in the 300s and then, oh. so, and then I've added to it since then. So again, I've bought Chipotle at 700. I've bought it at 300. I probably bought close to the 1500 mark. So who knows exactly if I had been making purchases in McDonald's at those same, at those uh, same dates or whatever, what the return would look like. But I like to think that if you factor in the uh, dollar cost averaging, if I'd done it, both of them, the Chipotle would still, still be better off because yeah. Over the last few years, I think it has performed better than McDonald's if you can shorten that window. And here's to tie into Starbucks about how I, I don't, you know, I got to be honest. I, 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 I not, well, let me, let me start with my train of thought here. Starbucks went public August, 1995. Well, actually, let's just go back to make this simpler to 1995 comparing Starbucks to McDonald's. Which do you think has outperformed the other? Since 1995, August to current. Starbucks. By, it's not by even a close. Lot. Yeah. McDonald's is 2,000%. Starbucks is 11,455%. You know what? And I'm going to probably go back a little bit on what we've been saying over the years. I've never owned McDonald's. We always talk about our kids wanting to like invest in a stockpile. When my little guy, what's the first thing they say? Let's do McDonald's. I'm mm-hmm. always like, yeah, perfect. It's a great stock. Yep. I actually one of mine owns McDonald's too. I'm not. A, I'm. I'm more of a fan, even though I don't own Starbucks. We talked about it before, and I, I might be Starbucks, Chipotle, even Domino's. To me, I'm. I'm actually bigger fans of than McDonald's. Just. Well, I'm. You were a, I still think that if you wanted to, again, my favorite thing to do is the, the basket basket approach. So if you were doing a uh, basket basket approach of the restaurant stocks, I mean, I think you could feel really comfortable if you had McDonald's, Starbucks, Chipotle, Domino's, and I'll even throw in Texas roadhouse and round that out five. And not only that, I mean, it looks very similar that these are all in the restaurant space, but then break it down to what those restaurants serve, right? You have a coffee, company in yep. Starbucks, you have a burger company in McDonald's, you have a pizza company in Domino's, you have burrito and Chipotle and was burgers. Steak? Yeah, or steakhouse. And yep. so again, you still it looks very similar restaurants. And during a pandemic, all of those are going to be hit kind of equally just because you can't go out. But think about it in terms of, of uh, the bigger picture long term growth, you still have quite a bit of uh, diversity in restaurant chains. I mean, our, our, our wants and needs are, are fickle. Some nights you're feeling uh, Domino's pizza. Some nights you're feeling uh, a nice sit-down restaurant like a steakhouse, but you always want uh, coffee. So there's room for everything. So I'm going to go through the rest of the stocks and the EATS, E-A-T-Z, E-T-F. You tell me something jumps out. So we've got Wendy's, Shake Shack, DoorDash, BJ's I, I, own, I own DoorDash. So yeah. um, I did, uh, this is what I love about, uh, again, fractional shares. I put $1 into DoorDash. 
just so I could say I was part owner. So I have $1 in DoorDash. $1. Yes. How much do you have now? Uh, I can look real quick. $1.25? Oh, I bet you it's got to be under a dollar. You keep reading the list and I'll look it up real quick and see. I wouldn't be surprised if it's less than that. What's the That's the nice thing about a dollar is I'm not concerned. I, I, I got it. Well, you've made me convinced of this. I remember we did an episode where we talked about Uber and we're like, oh, wow, this sounds cool. I don't want anything to do with Uber, DoorDash, delivery services. The only thing I want exposure to for a delivery service is going to be Domino's. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't, I think, you know, maybe it's my hot take and I'll eat my words and maybe, you know, I, I have no problem admitting when I'm wrong. I've been married a long time. That I think... DoorDash, Uber, Lyft, in five to seven years, there there's going to be one of those companies and they're all going to be together and that and they might they're not even going to be profitable. And I think it's kind of a a, a flash in the pan, and that's my take on them. That's just I still, my gut. I still think it's going to be like the airline industry. I'm more convinced of this now. The airline industry, again, it will be profitable for a few years. It's like we figured out fuel. We figured out how to cut costs. We just cut the routes. We're going to charge you for extra baggages. Everything is good. And then something unforeseen happens. And it turns out it's like, wow, running an airline business is is very difficult. And it's hard to be consistently profitable. So Uber, DoorDash, whatever, I can see more consolidation. But I think it's going to be that it is so ingrained in what we do, having food delivered or being able to get a ride share. I think it'll always be there just not necessarily profitable so that right. you weren't far off on the DoorDash. the one dollar is now worth one dollar and 17 cents so yeah, there you go one dollar uh i like to think of it like a lottery ticket people uh they buy a lottery ticket so for winning this is what i like to do with with these with some of these companies when they when they go public so i think i bought DoorDash pretty close to its ipo is like i'm just gonna put one dollar in it and who knows see maybe, what happens yeah i don't want anything to do with yum brands Wingstop, el polo loco Cheesecake Factory. Whoa, whoa, whoa. El, El Polo Loco, the one from Breaking Bad? Yeah. <laughs> That's a real company? Yeah, it's on there. <laughs> I think the only reason people go in there is because of the uh, because of the Breaking Bad. That's me summarizing eats for you. Well, um, let's do this. Let's finish up then a very simple would you rather. Um, Chipotle or um, Domino's? Now, try to think of this objectively, that you don't already own Chipotle, whatever. Do you think the runway and think of it in terms of this $18 billion market cap for DPZ and 44, do you think that uh, the DPZ could double to 36 before uh, Chipotle doubles to, uh, to 88? Here's my hot take is that we don't really know the space and what consumers want and think about mainstream burritos mm-hmm. we don't really we, we don't really know i mean chipotle is the best of breed when it comes to burritos pizza hut domino's papa john's all those companies pizza has been around forever and it's 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 just i don't i think it's had it's had its shot and i think domino's is a good pizza company and i think they're going to do well and I like the management style, and I think it's the best breed of of those stocks of, of of pizza for sure. But I don't. But what sets Chipotle apart is people at lunch aren't getting pizza. Mm-hmm. People aren't 
you know, at the, you know, yes, it's, it's, it's more of a dinner thing and people aren't, you know, doing mobile orders. People internationally aren't doing pizza as much. And I think with the Chipotle burrito, we don't know what, what the big space it could become in 10 to 15 years. I think pizza's already has it had its shot. Well, this is prime setup to what we do. I will take the opposite side of that. So Good. we should revisit this. This is uh, going to be episode uh, 16 here. We can do this and make this a periodical thing. We should check back in, but I can see, and this is no knock on Chipotle as I'm an owner of it. Um, I am not an owner in, in DPZ, but that's just because I think I have enough in the uh, the restaurant space. So this will be a fun one to keep an eye on, but I think we should keep track and see. I still think, again, for everything that I've said about Chipotle, I think a lot of this still applies for Domino's, especially with their mobile app, how they run things and their technology and their marketing. I, I could say I could see DPZ still still growing at a, a faster clip than Chipotle. And again, no knock on Chipotle because I own them. I think that's fantastic. I had fun talking about ETTF. Nate, what can how can you tell the listeners how they can get a hold of us? You can get a hold of us via email. You can reach us at twobudstalkstocks at gmail.com. You can send us a question, feedback, comments, concerns. Let us know if we're doing a good job. Let us know if we're doing a bad job. Same thing goes if you listen to this on a platform that allows you to leave a review. Anything helps. It might help us bump us up in the uh, algorithm and get more listens. You can reach us at Twitter at twobudstalkstocks and at Instagram at twobudstalkstocks. Appreciate the support. Looking forward to talking to you soon, Nate. All right. Talk to you soon. Later, bud.